Hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of The Streaming Heat. Are you worried about the inevitable heat death of the universe? We have a solution for you at the end of the episode. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> As always, I'm your host. My name is Lin, and my co-host here, who does not have the solution, <laughs> that's why I'm the host, is Eric McGill, the unapologetic geek himself. Hello. Yes, I, I'm always worrying about the heat death of the universe, so I'm really curious what the solution is, because it keeps me up at night, let me tell you. <laughs> well, uh, the current temperature in Brisbane seems to suggest that the inevitable, you can't say the heat death of the universe, you have to say inev inevitable heat death of the universe. Sure. Seem to be around the corner, considering the heat in Brisbane right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hot! I, I don't think you understand heat death of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you understand that it's really hot and I'm annoyed. <laughs> Pretty sure the heat death of the universe is the opposite of that. It's really, really cold. <laughs> I know, but I wanted to complain about the heat. <laughs> well, you're welcome over here. It's like well, below freezing. So that, That's how the heat death of the universe happened, because Brisbane all used up all the heat oh, in the universe. Oh, okay, I get it. You're just accelerating entropy with your heat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we're today we're going to be talking about the episode 7 of Peripheral as we, uh, as we march slowly towards the season finale. This is a penultimate episode, correct? The next that is correct. Is the, the, the next one, one is the last one of the season. Um, as always, the timestamps will be below, and I'll give my whole spiel, you know, uh, leave us a review, five star if possible, in podcast, in the podcast platform of your choice, preferably the iTunes one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Apple Podcast, iTunes, I'm an old fart. Um, I still call it iTunes too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, um, you can reach us at the streaming heap at outlook.com if you have any questions, theories, insults, whatever. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and definitely, <laughs> if you have any advice as to any idea as to what we should do next in this podcast as we wrap up our form, we have if a few you have, ideas. If you have insults, be sure to give them to Lynn at his Twitter uh, at the Flaming <laughs> Eyebrows. <laughs> that's where insults belong. Yeah. That's. That's that's where they live. That's what I go to Twitter for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we will. We have a few ideas, and we'll decide on one and announce it next episode. Which makes sense because we got to do it the episode after. <laughs> um, of course, as always, there will be timestamps in the description below because we're going to talk some crap about some random crap <laughs> before <laughs> we talk crap about peripheral. So strap in, Eric. You have the stage. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Doopy doo. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to get my oversized comical uh, hook to drag you off the page. <laughs> okay. So I watched uh, Smile, which came out in theaters last year, but I haven't seen it until now when it came out on streaming. Um, it's kind of like it follows, but not stupid. Um, this is a horror this is a horror movie, correct? Right, it's a horror movie. Um and the basic premise is you've got the our main character is uh, a psychiatrist. She's a doctor, but she like works in like an emergency room, which is something I've never seen before. I'm I'm sure it exists. I'm sure there are psychs mm. who work in emergency rooms, but like this is the first time I've seen it in a movie. Um she has this one patient come in who is who is obviously 
you know, freaking out, psychotic, having some kind of break. And she's talking about there being some entity chasing her and that it's going to kill her um, in, in, you know, matter of minutes, really. And then while they're in a room together alone, she's trying to talk. Yeah. The doctor's trying to talk her through it. Um, she freaks out. She breaks a vase and then she grabs a shard from the vase and then a big old smile comes across her face and she slits her uh, throat just like slits her own throat really slowly and gross and gory it's nasty um horrible violent death so like right in front of her um and then the doctor starts to have her own little freak out she starts hallucinating she starts seeing things that aren't there people smiling at her with the same like demented smile um kind of like uh that horrible movie truth or dare but like the smiles oh, not yeah. It's not a CG smile. It's just a really big natural smile, but it's creepy as fuck. Um, and, you know, she starts to become convinced that there's some kind of entity chasing her. She finds out that the the patient who had committed suicide in front of her witnessed somebody else doing the same basic thing, like committing a violent suicide in front of her. And you can keep tracing it back and back and back. And eventually she finds out that there was one guy who survived and the way he survived was by killing somebody else in front of somebody else. So he had to pass along the trauma because that's what the whole thing is. It's a metaphor for trauma and how it, you know, it, it just messes you up. Um, and there's this really incredible scene about a birthday party that I really don't want to ruin, but it's really, really good. It makes the whole movie. It's probably the most memorable thing about it. Um, and let's see. It is a children's birthday party, is it not? It is a children's birthday party. Yeah, okay. it's for like I've seen the scene. Her I haven't nephew. seen this movie. I've seen that scene. Um, I really dig this movie a lot. Like, I know it follows is really popular, but I think it's really dumb. I don't like it. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I, I was gonna take you to task on that. Explain yourself, Eric. Because <laughs> it follows is is not as smart as it thinks it is, and like the idea that there's some like monster chasing you and it looks like anybody, but he's walking and he's invisible and then like killing him in a swimming pool. It's just, it's all really stupid. And it's all a <laughs> metaphor for like sex and yeah. death. It's very yeah, like yeah. edgy teenage angst kind of bullshit. And it's, it just a, it's a metaphor for me. STDs. Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So which is the part you hate that the, the, the part of when they successfully kill it in a pool? <laughs> I think mostly it's not even, I mean, the premise is kind of stupid, but like, that I could forgive that if the characters were even remotely likable, but they're all awful. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So you don't you didn't like that. So you had the Cloverfield problem. <laughs> you didn't of. like any of the any of the fuckers that you're supposed to be like, oh god, I hope you didn't die. You're like, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Ironically enough, though, I think it works in Cloverfield because Cloverfield's like this metaphor for people who like you know don't don't pay attention to the world and are just full of themselves and. Anyway, that's that's a whole nother subject. Um, <laughs> but like this one is more psychologically sophisticated. Like it really like delves deep into how people react to traumatic events in a way that's a lot more realistic than you usually see in horror movies, even really good horror movies. That all that said, the ending is pretty lame. It sucks. It's not as bad as the swimming pool, but like the writers <laughs> clearly didn't know what to do. Like they didn't know how to end it. So it just kind of ends, but it ends like three different times and each time is kind of worse than the time before. They should have just started with the first ending and left it there. Um, <laughs> also, it's got Cal, Cal Penn in it, which is weird. He's like a doctor. Um, oh, and her I mean, her boyfriend is uh, A-Train, 
which is I just can't get past that. Oh, okay, from the voice. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Calvin anyway, plays doctors a lot. <laughs> he does, yeah, like in in a house, but like it's just weird. He he plays like an older doctor, and he's they like put gray in his hair and everything, and it's just it's it's just weird. I can't get past it. Isn't he also studying medicine in uh, Harold and Kuma? Or is he this one studying law and is? Uh, I think he Harold was the one. Study... Yeah, I think the I think he was the one studying law, and Harold was the and one. Harold is yeah. studying medicine. Ah, yeah. Um, those movies um, did not age well. Uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> nope. really liked it when it first came out. Did not <laughs> age well. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, all in all, I do recommend it. It is really good. It is really well done. Just uh, keep your expectations low for the ending because it's kind of stupid. <laughs> I think I'm going to really annoy you with this take. When I saw the trailer, I'm like, this seems like it is a really good episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> you know no. the Doctor Who formula when they, they <laughs> whenever they do horror episodes, they take like a simple concept, simple everyday thing and try and make it creepy, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not even going to engage with that. <laughs> I want to keep poking the. <laughs> You've rendered me speechless, Lynn. <laughs> Leave it at that. It, I'm just saying it's smile better or worse than the um the Weeping Angels. <laughs> I, I mean, the Weeping Angels are iconic and creepy, but I think smiles better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will stop poking you, and I will get to my topic. Uh, uh something I watch uh, surprisingly because. I don't do this. I watch a good chunk of the Oscars, mainly because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, people who really give a shit about Oscars, like, if you, if it entertain you, that's great. Like, that, that's fine. Like, that's awesome. Like, but if you really give a shit about the Oscars in a way that you're upset about who win and who doesn't win, you're only causing yourself harm. <laughs> True enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, if your if the only emotion is happiness going in, happy for everybody who wins, that's great, and that's how I went in this time, uh, because and um, I was rewarded because everything everywhere all at once kind of swept. Did you see that? I didn't see the Oscars, but I did see that it swept, and I saw that Brandon Fraser won for the whale. It kind of felt yep. like this year's Oscars was like a little bit of fan service, like trying to li- trying yeah. to. Trying to win back the the audience again, yep. um, which you know that's fine. Go for it if that's what they want to do. I'm all for it. I would even call it less of fan service and more of a fan apology. <laughs> Basically, yeah, because like the last few years they have not been doing this. <laughs> um, so uh, Brendan Fraser uh, won uh, best male uh, actor for <laughs> the whale and. Uh, everything everywhere all at once uh won everything else <laughs> basically yeah because <laughs> yeah. they got um best um actress uh best supporting actor and actress right. uh <laughs> best picture uh best original screenplay best director and best editing that's that's quite a lot <laughs> and like so it's pretty much all the mainline thing and best editing and best editing um the thing that came out is they had five editors for that movie. And if you've seen that movie, I, I, I don't, you've seen the movie, right? Eric? Actually, no, I haven't. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not if streaming I anywhere. I have to like get the actual physical copy. No, no, it's, it's on, it's on prime now. Is it? Cause yeah, mm, maybe it's not, maybe it is here. Maybe it is now, but it wasn't last time I checked. <laughs> it's been a I, while. I'm pretty sure I saw it on prime. Yeah. I'll double check. Uh, 
Uh, if I could reach into the Zoom call and shake you by the shoulder, I would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been dying to see it. Don't get me wrong. I want to see it. I just haven't. It, it wasn't streaming anywhere for the longest time. I swear to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it in the theater. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have a child. <laughs> Your child is old enough to go do the cinema. Okay, you can only use that excuse so much. <laughs> I I don't actually know if you should take your child to everything everywhere. There is a couple of butt plug jokes. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's a fourteen year old boy. He'll love it. So, <laughs> um, what I was saying was, um, yeah, apparently there's five editors for this movie, and they all worked on like. Um, like Premiere Pro or something like that. Like they didn't even have like advanced software. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you watch the movie, the editing is so spot on. There's like multiverse bits where there is about like fuck a hundred edit in like three seconds. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Um Yeah, even yeah. just the previews had a lot of like you could kind of see that, like that style of like yeah, yeah. things changing really, really fast in the background yeah. while the foreground's basically the same and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that that wasn't edited just for the trailer. That happens quite a bit in the movies. Cool, like uh, in a very emotional bit. Um, it's like you said, it is a bit of a mea culpa, right? Like Brendan Fraser so. winning. Yeah, Brendan Fraser winning, especially like, oh, for Brendan Fraser. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, we we kind of did you dirty, and we realize yeah. that now. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with Jamie Lee Curtis uh, winning support for Everything Everywhere. I think. Um, Look, like I said, you know, like the really getting invested in who win and who should win is kind of silly. But um, I do agree that if they want to give it to everything, everywhere, anyway, they should have given it to the daughter who's played by Stephanie. I can't remember her last name, but she kind of got shafted because I feel like her performance was uh, not just better. Like she also have a lot more screen time. Jamie Lee Curtis characters uh, had probably like 10, 15 minutes of screen time total. Um what? I mean, it is the Oscars. It's not always actually about the performance. Like, the performance has to be at least good, but there's always a lot of, like, politics involved, which, you know, that's just the Oscars. It always has been that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, (laughs) A little bit of me also makes me think I'm like, they they didn't want to be accused of, they just want, they just gave all the Asians. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Um, and of course, uh, one of the ha- happy um, stories is uh, Ki Huey Kwan, um, also winning Best Supporting Actor. Uh, uh, finally, right? Uh, for people who don't know, he's uh, he started his career as Short Round and Dada in Data. Right. Um, you say Data, I say Dada. Let's call the whole thing off. All right, that's it. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> You're like nurse. You're like a Doctor Pulaski in Star Trek, Colin. <laughs> Data. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he essentially quit acting for decades because he just came to the conclusion that there's no role for people like him, and then he finally came back in um, to acting um, after he watched Crazy Rich Asian. Of course, famously had Michelle Yeoh in it as well, right? And. and and started feeling like there's more for you know people like him in Hollywood again. Well, the industry and, has changed, so yeah, yeah. But still, a slightly sad story because he he did uh, EAEAO, and then he couldn't get uh, like because it was in post production because uh, uh, for a long time. Did you just call it EAEAO? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean the the name is so long. <laughs> I can call it everything, but it's also a weird way to call it. Yeah, there's that video game everything. It's really hard to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, after EEA, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after he shot it, um, he couldn't get another role like while it was post production. Um, so he actually he actually lost his like health care and everything. He was Jeez, at the risk man. of losing his his SAG. Um, so <laughs> and then the movie came out, and then he's a fucking darling for his performance in it. And his performance in it is amazing because if you haven't seen it, it's a multiverse movie, and a lot of these actors and actresses play multiple people, and he played the character who is the most different in a lot of iterations and. The, the the whole the whole class of the emotional weight about him is like he is seen as a loser uh, uh by everything including his wife his wife in the main um uh, main continuity and the main cross of it's like he has so much potential like he just gave up everything the big reveal is he's essentially gave up everything for his family right so there's like, like some meta-ness there yeah yes a hundred percent yes yes uh but um yeah so he won and now like now he's in he said he's at a lot of roles and he had a very tearful they 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 deliberately did this um i think for um for one of the awards uh, i think for the best picture is harrison ford who handed it out so they did a very tearful hug reunion on the stage right, and all yeah. that <laughs> i did so, watch his acceptance speech afterwards like and he's just crying and thanking his mother and oh it's, man oh, it's, uh, that's something else, man. You can't I'm not watch. Ashamed to, if you yeah, can't, I'm not if you don't admit. cry or at least yes. feel like you're gonna cry watching that, you have yeah. no emotions. You are a psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like holding back tears, and he's like, "Mom, I I want an Oscar." <laughs> so good, so good, so good. Somebody, and like, somebody, quickly film a cameo for the next indie movie. Just put him in it. That's all you have to do. <laughs> They they keep trying to keep that franchise going, right? Like, and somebody pitched this idea that um, idea that all indie uh, uh, like put like a uh, fictional uh, reason why like uh, like I, either bad guys or people indie doesn't respect uh, has taken charge of like a lot of the um, artifacts that indie is responsible for obtaining, and all indie requesting short rounds steal them back and put them back where they belong. Right. <laughs> I feel like that would, that would be, be great. Yeah, <laughs> even if they make it a TV show. Um, and if you like um, EAEO, it's a EAEO and, no! and all, the, <laughs> all its performers, they are actually the main three, uh, Michelle Yao, uh, Kiwi Kwan, and Stephanie are also going to be in another movie called American Bond Chinese, um, which is coming out next month, actually. Cool. It's at first glance, it's apparently based on a book. I'm not familiar with it. At first glance, it seemed to also have supernatural elements in it. So I'm very excited to find out more about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems to be like classical Hong Kong, like horror-y, magic-y movie, but set in America. So maybe shades of um, um, Once Upon a Time in China. Oh, Big Trouble in Little China. Dang. Yeah, but, that's fun. Go for it. But very excited about that. And of course, Michelle Yeoh finally winning. Um Second only a non-white person to win best actress, apparently, which is shit. That's not God right. Damn. That's weird. Not 95 times, and it's only Halle Berry and Michelle Yeoh, apparently. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not Eric, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm making all kinds of faces. Yeah. <laughs> Eric has made about 15 faces in the last five seconds. Uh, I was, yeah, I was very surprised. Like, I knew it was a bit of a country club, but I didn't realize it was that kind of a country club. <laughs> There's no O in country. <laughs> anyway, look, it, it's just a hot one, like something hot one me to take away <laughs> in these trying, very hot times. <laughs> Have I mentioned it's really hot in Brisbane right now? <laughs> it's really fucking cold here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll swap. We'll do that. Uh, we'll do that movie thing. Um, holiday. <laughs> we swap houses. <laughs> Now, man, you live too close to like horrible spiders and snakes and shit. I don't want to do that. <laughs> don't you guys have like mountain cougars or something? Oh, is that not Minnesota? No, oh, wait, no, you're in Missouri. I you're do Missouri. not live in Minnesota. I live in Missouri, <laughs> but I, I live like I know you don't live in the outback, okay? But like, yeah. I don't really live in rural Missouri either, so I live closer to the city. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um. I, I did. I did send you that Missouri meme. That's, that's the last time I went to Missouri. Uh, uh, what is it like? A twelve-year-old that is smoking told me to fuck off. <laughs> yep, that sounds right. Sure. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the next thing I watch, um, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. You said I, I said, can I talk about it like uh, with, with full spoilers? And your reply was, I haven't seen it, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care if you spoil it. Like, like I was telling you before, I I haven't even seen the first one, and it's not because I don't. I'm not interested. Like, they it looked really fun, and this one looks fun too. Like, it's I just haven't gotten around to it because you know, yeah, you have to pick and choose what you can do, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Such is the nature of time and life <laughs> and money. <laughs> yes, if you tried to watch every single movie out that has ever existed, you'd be watching until the heat death of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> And then you won't be able to do things like just rewatch 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street for no reason. <laughs> or Marathon House, like I've been doing for some reason. What? <laughs> I've been you marathoning okay? the entire show of House. I don't know. <laughs> do you Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> Look, it makes me feel like less of a hypochondriac. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your um, binging house and my binge drinking is on the same level of <laughs> things French should be concerned about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shazam Fury of the Gods. Um, fun is the correct word for this um, franchise, I think. And I, I think it's there's even very little point about arguing or discussing how good it is because it's okay. It's good enough. And I just don't have the energy to argue with anybody who think it's awesome or who think it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, look at Lynn getting like, tired of fandom. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I, I, I wouldn't argue with people who think it's awesome anyway, because like, I don't want to take joy away from a movie that I think is <laughs> enjoying a movie that I think is okay. And like, obviously very inoffensive. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It's better to convince uh, somebody to like something they don't like than to convince somebody to not like something they like, you know? That was a really wordy like, way of putting it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although uh, one of my friends does call me the ruiner because sometimes I do like <laughs> kind of <laughs> taking apart something and then slowly watching somebody realize, ah, oh, shit, he's right. 
There Babe. are limits, of course. If you like Batman v Superman, we're gonna have to have a talk. <laughs> Look, there is something that is awful and um satisfying about <laughs> using using logic to take about something that somebody enjoy and them agreeing with you. Okay. I know it's awful and I try not to do it. <laughs> um but yeah, this one, the, the thing that, speaking of something awful that uh, you want to deconstruct, the biggest thing about Shazam, the biggest shame and its biggest drawback, it, it's it having to exist in the Snyderverse. Because <laughs> it is a just, very... Yeah, luck of the draw. <laughs> yeah, because it is a very, like, cheerfully comic booky movie. Like, you know, in, this one is about, like, Greek goddesses, monsters, dragons. There's, like, herpes, minotaurs, like, you know. Um, <laughs> somebody put uh, uh, Philadelphia in a bubble, a magic bubble. Like, it's a comic book, <laughs> comic book movie that isn't a shame of what it is, right? Somebody <laughs> should put Philadelphia in a bubble, honestly. <laughs> I, li- I used to live near there. I know. <laughs> There's a line in there where after the bubble put down, got put down, um, Shazam's like, the, the city of brotherly love is getting a bit moist. And then everybody tells him, like, you, that's not a good thing you said. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the jokes in this movie lands, like, the jokes in the movie is based on, like, are pretty much all centered around the fact that most of these are just kids with superpowers right. in adult bodies. And most of them land. Um, and bringing in Lucy Liu and fucking Hillam Marin as villains right. is an inspired casting. <laughs> <laughs> like they really lampshade it as well. Like there's a like a meeting scene between Shazam and I. I'm just gonna call him Shazam, okay? <laughs> Shazam <laughs> and um, Hillam Marin's character, where she goes through like a very like emotional spiel about like how the from her point of view she's in the right. And it ends with Shazam being like, "Wow, you're really threatening. Like you, you put a lot, of, you, you bring a lot of weight here." And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she does, man. It's Helen Mirren. <laughs> also, big kudos to Helen Mirren's finally, like, in her twilight years. Okay, I shouldn't say twilight. In her, in her <laughs> um, older age, uh, just deciding to be in like random action movies that will allow her to do weird stunts like in all interviews like she's not she has she's not describing these movies like paychecks she's really enjoying fucking making them and the reason is because they will make her do weird stunts apparently that's lovely <laughs> yeah like the fast and the furious movies and um what was that one she did like 10 years ago reds you know stuff like that yeah red yeah. oh god she's so good in red she's really well. good she's, in that yeah <laughs> Um, there's also a, a moment in the movie where Shazam is like, ladies, I've seen all the Fast and Furious movie to Hill and Marin. And I'm like, <laughs> she, she isn't four of them. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and the number sneaks up on you because you're like, yeah, I remember Hill and Marin being in some Fast and Furious movie. And you're like, wait, no, she's in four of them. <laughs> it wasn't just the last one. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Um, and she seemed to, in the next one that's coming out, she seemed to have a pretty significant role. Yeah, she's all over the um, previous. And um, I think a lot of people are curious as to like the place of Shazam in the rebooted universe going forward, because understandably, James and Co- James Gunn and Co has been very 
cagey about committing uh, to who will bring who they will bring over and what character they will bring over, what character will get rebooted. And like, yeah, there's a reason for that. They're probably also waiting on box office. And this movie, yeah, I, think I don't that's think the big thing. Yeah. And I don't think this movie box office wise will do too well. And if you're curious as to how tied in it is still to the old universe, it is. There are multiple cameos. There are uh, uh, post credit scenes, them, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I might not. I might not ruin it on here. Like I know I'm doing all spoilers talk, but if you want to go look up the spoilers, uh, post credit scenes, um, and enjoy it. Um, to be fair, okay, one cameo is in the movie and it's not a post credit scene. Uh, Wonder Woman just shows up and Gil yeah, she's actually in one of the previews. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's That's... terrible in it. She's she 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 just showed up and took a paycheck. Um, I thought she wasn't there. I thought like it was like a green screen split with the rest of the actors on right. one side until one of the characters hug her. And I'm like, uh, so you like you actually shot this together? And it is this <laughs> terrible? <laughs> I don't know. They can do amazing things with CG these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they don't commit to a very emotional ending. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed with that. Um, especially because I, I think there is very little chance that um, this will continue over into the new universe. Um, and if they if they do get a sequel, it'll probably be pretty standalone. Um, yeah, I think James Gunn really... He would have it would have to have a really good box office to change his mind. I think he really wants a hard reboot of everything. I don't think he wants any kind of dead weight to drag it down. His plan. I, I think so too. But like, I mean, he's also a businessman. He has been very like non-committal about, especially the status of Shazam itself. And he's also like a close personal friends with what's his face, the main actor, apparently, Zachary um, Levi. Zachary Levi. So like, maybe he also doesn't want to hurt Zachary Levi's feelings i don't know um a shame though all the people bring a game in this um except um gail gadot <laughs> um, <laughs> and they seem to have okay hot take have... i don't think she's actually that good an actress i mean she's great as wonder woman but i don't think she's a good actress <laughs> that's not a hot take is it i, I mean is, is that i've, any... I've had is people anybody... yell at me for it so <laughs> I think she's a terrible actress. She just, uh, she, for some reason, Wonder Woman fit her really well in the first movie. In the second movie, when I feel like when she's asked to do more, uh, she didn't, she doesn't cut, quite live up to it, but it's still pretty good. But outside of the Wonder Woman role, I, I think she's bad. <laughs> yeah, she's not good. <laughs> um, um, she, like, and her Wonder worst Woman... performance is the, the, sequel uh, the of Wonder Woman. Murder thing. The, oh that yeah oh uh, when she was in what was that movie that we we actually talked about and i talked about how terrible of an actress she was a uh, red notice oh. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair red notice is like uh yeah Except and for, some, for some reason everybody seemed to have watched it <laughs> netflix gets away with that they make these movies that are terrible but everybody watches them anyway <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, everybody watched Red Notice because it's Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and The Rock. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. just star power, you know? Um, Why did I watch it? <laughs> Gal Gadot, The Rock, and Ryan Reynolds. Damn it. I was tricked. Overall, overall I still enjoy that mo movie, even though it isn't good. Uh, but Gal Gadot is by far the low light of it. <laughs> <laughs> also, what... Um, um, 
to wrap it up, what I was going to say was they seem to have really learned the fact that the kid who played Freddy is a way better, better actor than the kid who played Billy. So <laughs> the kid who played Billy is barely in this movie and all the uh, the emotional side plot follow Freddy. <laughs> Stick to your strengths. Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm also glad that um, finally, what's his face? The guy from the OC, uh, Adam Brody, is in a in a superhero role um <laughs> that is actually get released because he's been he's been threatening to be a superhero for so long poor guy <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to be the flash in the cancel um justice league live movie that george right. miller was um uh, supposed to direct and every day i curse the <laughs> i curse the god <laughs> i don't believe in for us not getting that movie and getting fucking Zack Snyder Justice League instead. <laughs> no, I didn't misspeak. Both of them are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was also supposed to be uh, in the running for Green Lantern at some point. And I don't think putting Adam Brody into that Green Lantern movie would have saved it. But no, at least that movie it was terrible it more no interesting. <laughs> but at least like with, with uh, George Miller Justice League, like George Miller is actually a good director. Like... I've defended some of Zack Snyder's visual choices, but he's not a good storyteller. Whereas George Miller, I feel like, is a chameleon. He can really like blend any kind of genre that he want that he needs to. Um, he really he puts himself second to the needs of the plot, which I think is a really important thing for any director to be yes. able to do. You just can't let George Miller name things. That's the only thing you. Well, oh yeah, do. true. Because <laughs> <laughs> because. Uh... Lord Humongous and his gay voice, <laughs> and he wanted to he wanted to call that old woman old woman um tribe in Mac Max Fury Road gynotopia. <laughs> and they had to I forgot about him down that. On that land. <laughs> and I'm like, Mr. Miller, why not just call it Vagina Land? <laughs> you do it <laughs> uh, but the good thing about dc is they've named everything so there's not much room for you to <laughs> name things. and i do have to apologize for that justice league uh george miller movie falling uh falling down like because part of the main reason it uh fell through last minute is australia they were going to shoot in australia for massive tax breaks but um the australian cultural minister at the time i think there was a raging shame i'm not 100 between when they start planning it and when they, they are about to shoot and the cultural minister's like no like we're not gonna give them like, we're not gonna let hollywood just come and like play in our backyard um yada 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 he played hardline about the tax breaks um despite the fact that it would create so many jobs in australia and, <laughs> and now it's happening anyway yeah, what the Marvel studios used to do the is they would just go to new zealand instead so yeah yeah now there's like a permanent marvel studio in queen uh, in queensland in gold coast <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so sorry about that in a way, <laughs> Australia is partially uh, responsible for Zack Snyder's. So Snyder that means it's your We're fault, sorry. Lynn. It is your fault. You personally. I didn't vote. <laughs> I didn't vote for him. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. We got really off track there. Go watch the Fury of the Gods, I guess. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was. I don't know. Listeners, uh, tell us if that was fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So we're gonna take a little break, and when we come back, I swear we will bring the energy, but we'll bring more focus <laughs> to talk about peripheral episode seven. We'll see you in a bit. I got pretty somewhat flavored. of that can being opened mean we're back and we're ready to talk about episode seven of peripheral <laughs> <laughs> if you thought we had we had energy before the break um let, let's see how it goes after eric had more sugar and i had some alcohol we're in a strange place tonight man <laughs> <laughs> eric i don't know if the audience like it or not but i know you like it when i describe the weird beers absolutely yes yes it, this one is called Jam, and it is a cherry and raspberry double-fruited sour ale. You know, that actually sounds good. That one sounds like something I would like. And if you look at the color of it, it's kind of like, it kind of is the color of cordial. <laughs> it's pink. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it is one of our favorite uh, beers from a local brewery. They do limited runs, and they bring them back every once in a while. I actually brought this for a friend, bought this for a friend, but he hasn't paid me yet and I haven't seen him in a while. So I started drinking it. Well, there he you go. To the podcast. So, <laughs> so sorry, sorry, Chris, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the beer you ordered. <laughs> you get to listen to how delicious it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough um, craft beer talk. Uh, we're going to talk about the penultimate episode of... I just love saying the word penultimate. Penultimate. Uh, peripheral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so up top, <laughs> what do you think of this episode? I did like this episode a lot more than the last few because things happen. <laughs> um, I do feel like this is kind of getting back to form. I feel like we're we're past the filler episodes of the middle and that we're finally like getting a climactic at the beginning of a climax. And I appreciate that. I did like it. And then not just because the action, not just because there was action, but because like the story was actually moving forward. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, 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 did, I dug it a lot. Um, there's a couple of scenes I didn't like, but for the most part, I think this episode was, was back to form. Mm, okay. So I think this is the first time our takes on the episode have really differed. Um, I feel I feel we've been pretty close. Like sometimes you like it a little more, sometimes I like it a little more. This this episode kind of makes me feel like I've been taken for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> I think my expectations were just set so low from the last couple episodes that anything better than that was like good. No, I'm pretty happy with it. This episode made me feel like I've been sold a bill of goods on this whole <laughs> series because I'm like, some of these, there's quite a lot of exposition dumped on us this episode. I'm like, really? You you were waiting until episode seven out of eight? <laughs> like, and it isn't like a mystery. It isn't like a satisfying reveal that makes you go, wow. It's, it's kind of reveal that makes you go like, I feel like we should have learned this in like episode two. <laughs> yeah, a lot of I will admit that there are a couple of reveals here where like, yeah, and we already knew that. Like we'd already figured that out. <laughs> and the 
and of Bob, which we'll get to later, as satisfying as it is, just goes to show that he was entirely filler. Yeah, he was pointless. He served no narrative <laughs> plot point at all. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to it as we go through it. Like, look, I'm like, I there's still good highlights of this episode. There are still things that I really like, but some of the stuff that I didn't like about this episode make make me go go like. <sighs> You guys, you guys were like taking me for a ride since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am excited for the finale, though. So I'll tell you that much. That's what episode. That's what like second to last penultimate episodes are supposed to do. Yeah. I've been Thank waiting you, for like three weeks to watch the finale. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm um, sorry for the delay of the upload of the last episode. So the delay is actually between uh, last episode and this episode, but. Part of the delay was Eric's internet. <laughs> it just died on the, me. <laughs> yeah. On the way of the dodos. And um, AT&T, a company that is famously known for customer service on the internet, mm, somehow, yes. somehow <laughs> fucked it up. Yeah. And how long were you without internet for? Uh, all up? Five days. Yeah. But I, I got a I got a text at the beginning of those five days saying that it would be fixed within 24 to 25 hours, which was very oddly specific <laughs> and incredibly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they gave them some an extra hour. What do you think? Do you, do you think we minded an extra hour? <laughs> oh, who gives a shit? Um, but yeah, because scheduling issues and the um, thing, we couldn't record this episode. And because you didn't have internet, you couldn't upload the last episode. So we're sorry for the delay. Um, anyway, so before we get into breaking down the details of the episode, let's start with Storyteller Lynn. Yay! Tell me a story, Lynn. <laughs> this episode begins with Mama Fisher's plot-powered eyesight going off again. <laughs> When Bob noticed her leaving to an appointment that will last all episode, he follows in his car. In the future, Miss Marple make Burton and Connor plays a beat-em-up video game while she grill Flynn and Wilf. We get hella information and Connor falls for a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the present, Tommy learns about police incompetence and retrieve Bob's gun and future gun. He then demonstrates to Sheriff and Cobble what happened to authority derived from the social contract when enough pressure is applied to break said contract? Uh, <laughs> I mean, bang, bang, action scene. <laughs> Sorry, got a little too political there for a second. In the future, the two technicians consider betrayal, but learns that pick Latin and Cockney rhyming slang can only take you so far. <laughs> Lev tried to recover some of his lost menace by threatening torture. <laughs> Cherise and Lobia meets, and Queen Bee seems to outmaneuver the inspector, but also tell her that the mind control tag is to make humanity act for its collective interest again. You know, like the uh, scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding for people who don't know us. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Back in the present, Bob make an inadvisably large card in his hand for five seconds of distraction and take Mama Fisher and Dee hostage. The Fishers use a more effective distraction method, reanimating a corpse, and finally put him out of our misery. <laughs> With that comes the end of Bob. So I prepare a little haiku that I like to call Ode, Ode, to, Ode to Bob. Suppose it good hitman. Bob died as he lived, pointless and dumb beyond words. 
Goodbye, Bob. <laughs> nice. Excellent. <laughs> he did a little golf clap there for people who didn't hear. Um, okay, so let's start in the present, I guess. So why not? I, I think the beginning of the episode put me in a bad mood already because the episode begins with her losing our eyesight again. I'm like... Who the fuck cares? At this point? <laughs> <laughs> she can see. She can't see. She can see. <laughs> yeah, this was very clearly just a plot device to get her to the hospital. That's all this yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's kind of lazy and stupid. And I agree. Who cares? <laughs> Twenty bucks says she get her eyesight back again. <laughs> I'm sure she will eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think this will be like important <laughs> going forward. Unless unless uh, Mama Bear get a peripheral in the future. Um, so at, I think, like, what I joke that this appointment take the whole episode, but it, it does, doesn't it? Like, it, it's the episode start with her leaving for the appointment, and the end is, like, <laughs> Bob getting put down. Well, to be fair, she spent half the episode being held hostage, so, you know... <laughs> 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 Which is kind of what it feels like when you do go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let's not talk about the Bob situation yet. Let's talk about uh, all the other little things like um, Tommy. And so Tommy had get quite a chunk of um, the storyline uh, runtime this episode. Maybe that's also why I didn't <laughs> like it. Um, yeah, he wanted to... I'm not really sure why he cared about the doodad and the gun at first, but he went back to the police station to find out if they were put into evidence. And yeah. when he discovered that they weren't, he went back, he went, he broke into the, the lockup, which wasn't very well protected lockup, but you know, small town, I guess. Mm. And he got the doodad and the gun out of the car. I'm not sure why, but he did. Um <laughs> I think he's just looking for like kind of like proofs of incompetence and like um you know um bribery. Like uh, part of what Sheriff says is right. Like he knows uh that how the town is run. He knows Cobble runs the whole town, but he's kind of in denial, you know. He's still doing things as if they'll do anything. <laughs> yeah, he's it's almost doing... like it's almost like unconsciously he he knows he's got to put some pieces together. Yeah, outside of the standard legal procedure, like he already knows that he's going to have to do that at some point, um, and so yeah. he's doing it. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I justify it. Yeah, plus he he's a cop, so he knows he's above the law, so he can do whatever <laughs> he wants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I cannot believe that that wrecked car is like just left there <laughs> like that. <laughs> And they didn't even go through it. But I guess, like, yeah, this, the, the sheriff is corrupt, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a small town. I imagine a small town lockup probably looks just like that. Just, like, a fenced-in area on top of a hill. Like, that's <laughs> probably all it is. <laughs> um, you said, why does everybody fire the doodad right away? <laughs> why? Like, every time somebody picks up that thing, the first thing they do is shoot it. Like, Why? Let, let me put my hand here, because obviously it's made for my hand. What happens if I point and squeeze? <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I feel like that design isn't so um, immediately obvious as to which way it's supposed to point. I'm just surprised that nobody had pressed a button, which is just on the top of it, like right. with it facing towards them. <laughs> you know, like Luke Skywalker looking down the barrel yeah, of the I heard the lightsaber. lightsaber. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe they think it's like one of those things you use to exercise your hand, you know, and they just trying to exercise their hands. You know, they're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, it look, it, I guess it kind of is shaped like a big plastic um, uh, knuckle, 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 dry, buster. Uh, knuckle duster. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I can't remember if it was this episode or last episode. It might have been last episode and I just uh, forgot to say it. Uh, Tommy isn't very nice to Dean. Like, no, not at all. Like, like. He... He doesn't tell her the truth. He's lying yeah. to her. And he died. Yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> he's terrible. Like, and, and he's like more insidious, kind of terrible. Like, I, I feel like he's not mean. He's not awful. He just kind of like dismisses her concerns and like doesn't really communicate with her, even if he has to keep all of the, the, the weird stuff a secret. That part, whatever, right? Um, like he doesn't like assuage her concerns. He doesn't seem, he doesn't to, seem value to care. Her. Yeah. Exactly. That's my entire point. The uh, exact opposite that... of Corbell and his wife. Like Corbell seemed to really care and value his wife. Yes, a hundred percent. And he's like completely distraught. Uh, yeah. All the decisions, all the tightening of the fist he does in the, this episode is because he's not really thinking straight, right? Right. Uh, and and like. Tommy just seemed to be like settling for D, you know, like he doesn't seem to respect her at all. Um, I'm just saying Flynn is barking up the wrong tree. Maybe not, though. Maybe, maybe he would feel it different for Flynn because he does seem to care a lot more about Flynn than he does about his fiance. <laughs> he does talk to her a lot more gently and, and nurturingly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor D. You can do better, D. I I've I've come around. <laughs> <laughs> You're finally starting to like D. Good. <laughs> <laughs> not not that I like her, like more that I feel sorry for her <laughs> for being with Tommy. <laughs> idiot. Um, although I do like what Tommy does this episode because that's what I was like. I was like, when the sheriff finally does their heart lines, like, hey, everybody's corrupt. You better toe the line because you have no fucking choice. We run this whole town. Nobody's going to ever believe you. And I'm, yeah, this I'm is like, the thing I've been waiting hey, man, four or five that- episodes for was for Tommy to be. Yeah given the choice that he has to make a decision and do something. (laughs) Yep. And Tommy being smart and being a good character realizes that the choice is a false one. He doesn't have to choose a or B. He can make his own path. Yeah. And that's, that's good writing. (laughs) That's what I've been waiting for. (laughs) I I really like the scene of him in the car. Do you, do you, do you see the, the very symbolic scene in the car? Where he's like, go ahead. Sorry, go he take his white hat off. Yep, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when he come back, he doesn't have it anymore. So um, the white hat and black hats, for people who are not familiar with it, that's the old cowboy tropes. All the good guys wear white hats, all the bad guys wear black hats. And later as the um, genre advanced, like, there's like, people with like gray hats and stuff. It's been famously used very effectively in Westworld recently with the men in black. Right. There is also a very, very famous white hat, black hat swapping scene in that the first season where you realize the two time, like there are two timelines, and one of the character who who wears a white hat in the presence is the man in black in the future. There's a scene of the transition in which where he swap hats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> very same similar thing here. Like he's having this consciousness crisis, and he takes the hat off and he actually look at it. Right? He actually look at it. And he put it down on the seat and he swapped it with the gun. And I thought that was very good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, when he comes back in, okay, what do you think about the actual confrontation? I like it. I like it a lot. I think that the sheriff was kind of stupid for just like 
standing yeah. there and listening. Um, yeah. He had to have known that Tommy was was about to do something. Like it was obvious. Well, he doesn't because if he isn't, if he isn't stupid, if he is smart, he wouldn't have given such a hard line speech to Tommy in the first place. True. Like that itself, that itself was a dumb move. Like he should know that Tommy is like a true believer in morality, right? I think he just underestimated Tommy and overestimated his own cleverness, like making yeah. him think that the he only had A or B. Um, yeah. I think to the sheriff, it was that black and white, and that there was no other way out. That Tommy wasn't smart enough to do something else. Well, and also, a sheriff is a coward, right? He, oh, absolutely. He Tommy to be a coward as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like that Corbell just kind of sits there and watches and is, is, is like curious what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, the, the man has a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it is stupid of Tommy to unload a whole clip into the sheriff. Well, he was emotional. <laughs> it was emotional. It's probably his first uh, non-state-sanctioned non murder. <laughs> it's probably the first time he's ever shot a white guy. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far, but yeah. I mean, he does wear a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All jokes aside, my boy Tommy did well, other than being a terrible fiance. <laughs> I did really like the line, and I, I was watching the episode with my son, actually, and he thought it was a great line, too. It's it's at the, the very end when, when Corbell is asking him, what the fuck is that thing that you're holding? And he says, it's a fucking doodad, you arrogant piece of shit, and shoots him. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I liked it. <laughs> I, think, I, th I think it's funny but a bit dumb like it, it, fun dumb. Yeah. it's a fun kind of dumb yeah like yeah, it's not yeah. realistic in any kind of way but it's a good one-liner <laughs> but my enjoyment of this scene is ruined by the fact that he didn't follow him out that window and shoot him a couple of times i'm sick of people using this weapon because it's not a good <laughs> it's weapon. a stupid weapon <laughs> it's, it's dumb it seemed to be like a it seemed to be like a riot control weapon it's not a murder weapon um <laughs> yeah it uh, like him not following uh, Corbell out to uh, make sure he's dead annoys me. It doubly annoys me when it come up in the uh, next episode on where there's a, there's a scene who says one of them still has a pause. Um, <laughs> I think and, it's funny that Tommy doesn't know which one. Said, yeah, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy's a, that was what I wanted to say. Uh, Tommy's a which one? I'm like, it's not the guy you shot eight <laughs> times, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that guy I'm going to go on a limb and say um, it's obviously Corbell but I think they could pull a, like a last minute twist and make it be the wife oh that would be interesting no I'm mm. But I think I think I think Corbell's the one who's of the of the yeah. three characters, he's the one who has the most plot armor. So I think he'll survive. Yeah. But I think it'll be more interesting for the wife to survive. And then for I do her too. to not and for her to buy the a story, buy the cover story and have a temporary alliance with the fishes. Um and then realizing what actually happened and that alliance breaking down later. That will be a more interesting arc. But I Yeah, think but I don't think the show's going in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if this were like four or five episodes ago, maybe, but not now. Yeah, hundred yeah. uh, percent. Uh, but yeah, Tommy Boy um, get a couple of bodies under his belt. Good for him. I was uh, very happy think, with that. Do you think he'll go team up with the thingies now? Um, I think uh, Burton is a lot more likely to um, to accept. Um, 
Tommy into the inner cycle if he realized he killed the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, if he goes to uh, Burton and just says straight up, I shot the sheriff, then yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe they will have a conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, Burton will be like, okay, in that case, I will not shoot the deputy. <laughs> uh, yeah, You set me up for that. I know, I did. I said I shot the sheriff. <laughs> You have to follow through. It's like the law. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so even though this is the end of the episode, this is pretty much the last thing we have in the present. So let's let's talk about Bob at the hospital. Let's talk about that comically large cut. What on the his arm. fuck was that? <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> like of all the things to do, like even if like. I get- I don't get it. I don't like I get the idea that he needed a distraction and I get that he didn't know how many people were inside. Yeah, I get that. But that was just stupid. (laughs) And also, it didn't affect him in any way. Like he was fine. He just like, yeah, wrapped it in some cloth. Like there's no way that fucking needed stitches and a lot of them. That was a big fucking cut. (laughs) I I will go farther than that. That's that's a that's a. That's how people commit suicide. Yeah, really. <laughs> that, that's, what people, that's how people effectively commit suicide. He went down the road, not across the street. That's the correct way. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry about the terrible phrasing. Uh, I don't mean to make light, but that man's an idiot. <laughs> um, and also, like you say he doesn't know um, how many people are in there. He must have seen the nurse leave. Right, because he yes, followed them all. He must have seen the nurse leave, and he knows she only brought one bodyguard. So even if there are more people in there, he knows there's only one person you need to concern himself with. So I get that. Like, if before people say, I get that what the show is trying to show is like he's trying to make sure like he looked like he needed like emergency help, but he already looked like that. He had yeah, bruises he already all over his face. Up, yeah. Soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> and. When and you can like, you can get a lot of blood from a very small cut. So like make a small yep. cut and then wrap your arm in like a bloody bandage, make it look way worse. But he's already bleeding. Well. And he's, exactly. He's already <laughs> bleeding. It's not like you have to hurt yourself. <laughs> and when he walked in, it's not like his state completely disarmed the guy. Like the guy was still um, the guy was still on alert. Yeah. He was still uh, on Reese. alert. He still have yeah, Reese. He still have his um hand on his holster, uh, his hand on his gun, and approached him. Like the cut bought, probably bought him. Like I don't, I don't even know if the cut bought bought him any distraction. But the only amount of time he needed to distract Reese was like three seconds. <laughs> yeah, all tough. he all he needed to do was to to keep his head down like he was like bent over so that it would naturally draw Reese to him to you know help yeah. him out. That's all yeah. he needed. He didn't need yeah. to actually have a bloody arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I, f- I feel like he could have gone and procured some guns first. <laughs> <laughs> True. I'm sure I'm sure there were some guns in uh, the Corbell household. He could have taken some when he left. Um, the whole uh, conversation with the mother and the holding hostage. I thought... See, maybe by this point, I soured on Bob. I just thought he's not menacing enough anymore. Like, and like, he's being like, he's threatening D and the mom. And uh, uh, before all of that, um, Reese put up quite an admirable fight. Oh, absolutely. He was like riddled with stabs and he was still fighting. Um, That was impressive. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was impressive that the show was showing you 
actual stabbing technique like that's how you're supposed to do it and then explaining it by dialogue like him telling d and the mom like you have yeah. to go for fast quick moves and that's accurate and scary <laughs> yeah yeah and like him like having no respect for them just leaving the knife lying around on the ground like that's also yeah quite a character but uh, by uh, by that point i'm like just wait out he's just gonna bleed out <laughs> <laughs> I did um, like his little metaphor about like how the most holes in the most amount of time or in the least amount of time is the exact opposite of what you do, right? I thought that was kind of clever. I think it was good writing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He was like, oh, one of you is blind. The other one has the Hippocratic Ode. Like, you're not really going to go for this. Right. Uh, he knew that they weren't a threat. There was nothing they could do. I mean, that would be good lines to give to a character that have done anything effective at all. <laughs> Which he has not. All he does is pet time. I'm sorry. And I guess he killed... Uh, he killed uh, he Reese. Killed Lady, and, and Lady Corbell. Right. Uh, but I feel like that could have... You know, you could have written around that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it... What I really did like is there was a conversation between him and Mama Fisher, which um, he, like, the, I feel like the show up until this point is like, oh, hey, Bob is a sympathetic character because he's a villain, he's a hitman, he's a murderer, but he's doing it for the right reason. He's doing it for to save his children, you know? No, but is Mama more... cuts right through that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, that you are like once again, like you said, like the option A and B is you lying to yourself, right? Like you're saying, like I either kill people I want, I don't want to kill, or I let my daughter die. And he, she's like, no, there's a third option. You could die, <laughs> right? Which, <laughs> like, like, if you're a good parent, you should realize that that's the better option. Like it sucks, but if that's the logical position you find yourself in, where it's either you die or your child dies, you should. You should die, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have a child, but you know, I I have had a couple of tamagotchis, and I figured that's pretty <laughs> much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same. You understand? You would die yeah. for your tamagotchis, right? <laughs> <laughs> one is one is your son evolving into his ultimate form. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps changing on me. <laughs> um <laughs> all jokes aside but yeah I, I also feel like it's completely genuine coming from mama fisher because i feel like that would that, that is the option she would take and i'm wondering if that's foreshadowing for later no it probably is and i do feel like that is very in keeping with her character as we've gotten it so far like she hasn't had a lot of character but we've seen enough of her that she was willing to die without even telling Flynn that she was dying because she wanted to savor the pain of that. Um, so you know that it's in her character to sacrifice herself for her kids. And I do think that that's probably foreshadowing. That's probably what's going to happen to her. Yeah. As good as this interaction is, uh, it just kind of make me hate the Bob plot line more because, okay, let's look at it from a holistic, <laughs> like from a top-down point of view, right? Bob's Storyline doesn't really go anywhere except move plot pieces around. Basically, um, uh, it at least had that, um, like that metaphor. Not metaphor. It at least have that emotional weight of um, saying, like, "Hey, it's a father that is caught between protecting his daughter and like having to do terrible things for it." And then 
they cut across that for the with the a conversation that's like no like you're just a bad person like if you were a better person there would be a, a third option available to you and then he dies which makes the entire story like even more violent <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like like you were saying. I think it's more foreshadowing. It's more about Mama than it is about Bob. Because yeah. who the fuck cares about Bob? <laughs> yeah, and thankfully now we don't have to. I did. I did have a little intrusive thought, which is like, oh my god, could we potentially see peripheral Bob? <laughs> oh, like not peripheral. Sorry, like the like coined coined Bob. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Every time anybody dies on the show, that you're going to think that we're going to get a coy sheriff, aren't we? <laughs> no, I don't think that. <laughs> but it would be very funny if I just keep uh, using in incompetent uh, assassins, and when they die, keep resurrecting them for some reason. for reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of the 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 Burton's assault? I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was clever and interesting. Um, I don't buy that it would be all that disturbing to like get into his aptics and make him move. Like they said, it was just an ANS trigger, which you know, autonomic nervous system. Um, well, I, I guess it's linking to a dead person, right? I guess it's because just it, like it, the it freakiness of it. But it it, it does reinforce something that uh, Beatrice says in the future that like Burton is the one who's more liable to be dependable to make the decisions to act. Whereas yeah. Connor's a little less reliable, a little uh, unpredictable. And yeah. in this in this scene, you see that play out. You see that Burton immediately knows what he has to do and immediately is getting to business. And Connor's like, wait, what? Let's let's stop and think about this for a second. And even um, <laughs> the, the cousin whose name I can't remember, um, even he was like, why are we still talking? Let's just do it. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was good. <clears throat> but when that comparison happened between Burton and Connor, Connor d does have the... Um, one unquantifiable quality that Burton doesn't have. He makes that robot lady horny. <laughs> <laughs> True. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to that. In your um, deep subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to get like, robots wet. They they like short circuit and stuff. <laughs> a little bit. I was like, I think that's called your pants, dude. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i also well, i i also dig it whenever we get to see burton being competent and like showing his skill set because mm. it looks impressive he does look badass when he does it and when he just straight up executes bob well done i was very happy and i also find that he is good at he realized that the best way for uh for him to get flynn on board as quickly as he can is to get her involved Right, like I feel like that's a little bit of a manipulation, but one that is like I respect uh, as a, a sh show of his leadership skills. Yeah, that's what makes him a leader, right? Yeah, and his um his um ability as a brother, right? Like he, he he's 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 including his sibling in his his murder spots. And right, that's <laughs> what family is for? Absolutely. Uh, and that bit was cool. And I was like. Are they finally gonna make something like? Are they gonna finally make Bob be cool and realize like, oh, immediately they're here and dive? Nope, he's an idiot. He got up and <laughs> immediately got shot. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love how she's like execute. Um, I don't know if I like the little one-liner as he double tapped the guy. I feel like it would have been a lot cooler if he didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Like in in 
I liked it when I saw it in the preview for the episode, but then yeah. when I actually saw the episode, I'm like, ah, you shouldn't have said anything. You should have just done it. It would have been a especially lot because, Especially because he's, uh, what he says is that I like, say goodnight. Something like uh, that. I don't remember exactly. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's already dead, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was already dead. He was shot in the lung. So like, it wasn't his heart. Uh, it was his lung. So he was, he was out, not unconscious, but he was, he was, he was down for the count. Like he wasn't getting up right away. Oh yeah, no, the double tapping to confirm the kill. That's like that mark him as a professional. I only have the problem against the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, maybe if the line was cooler than say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, it, I can't think of anything that would be cooler. Like just saying nothing would be the coolest. I, I would have like, who the fuck are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> they know nothing about Bob, do they? They only met him once. And, and, and he's just trying to kill them. Uh, but yeah, so Bob's over. And uh, I wonder if there will, will be any drawback and ill effect of them hooking up to that um, corpse. Thing. That will be interesting to see if like the cousin has some like lingering issues from that. Mm. I don't know why I can't remember uh, his name. Are you sure that guy isn't Reese and the guy who died is somebody else? No, no the, the guy, the who, guy died who died is Reese. Definitely yeah. Reese, yeah. Um, uh, this is uh, the guy who linked up to the corpse is also apparently the guy who's <laughs> responsible for like um, leeching people's emotions to like sharing the burden of people's emotions. Right, to... right. Yeah. Um, um, I also like strategically that, that we see again Burton's mentality that that slow is fast thing that like military ethos yeah. um, that he stops and says no we're not rushing in we gotta we gotta think this through we gotta do this properly or because yeah, that's that how good you do yeah it properly yeah what do you say slow is sure sure is fast right that's what he says yeah um yeah that's that's a really good line but um okay the one thing we haven't really touched upon in talking about this show that um is actually a, a something that is running through them uh, the entire show is warfare and violence as a game like gamified warfare and violence because even in the PTSD flashback last episode of corner in some of the scenes it's switched between live action and like like gamified right, footage. you, like, you it, actually yeah. get like first person perspectives yeah yeah and not, not just that like like graphically different like like it looked like a game like this they, they oh, like but, yeah what I mean by the first person perspective is that they're yeah. like, they're definitely coding it to this is yeah. a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%, 100%. And like for these people, uh, even the technology, the haptic technology they share, it's split screen. That's what it is. Basically, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> um, and the whole thing started with the video game. Like they have moved past it very quickly, but the whole thing is about removing people's responsibilities and emotions and morality from the violence they conflicted you know well yeah and that's definitely like a like one of the motifs of the show um is that like putting layers between yourself and somebody else is a way of of not needing to use your empathy and like you yeah know, the characters that can do that and the characters that can't yeah yeah and that it's like examination of isn't warfare already that like don't we do that do soldiers with indoctrination and then are we adding now now we're adding um well nowadays we're basically it. training with video games so yeah <laughs> recruiting with video games absolutely um there's a repeated um tension about uh potentially having recruitment drives at things like e3 which they still do <laughs> and <laughs> Pax, I think Pax was the one who was like, no, we definitely would not allow that. <laughs> uh, 
Well, luckily E3 is on the downslope, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about luckily, but yeah, E3 is definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so are we done with everything that happened in the present? Now? I think so. The future? I can't think of anything else. Uh, so the Zoom. Uh, they spent a lot of the budget in the fight scenes here. I did not care. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked cool. Um, I like that. I like that you see Burton and Connor having fun. Like mm-hmm. again, it's that gamified violence, but they're just yep. enjoying themselves, and you see that, and I love it. I think that's great. It, it it builds like their camaraderie, and it builds like you you see them in action. And I don't know, it worked for me. It was cool. And it, and uh, we finally understand now why they were ninjas. We get it now. Because <laughs> they're quite with only eyes and they they have the... Uh, because we also learned that learn later that it's illegal to make quite a human likeness. So they're not completely a human likeness. They only have the human eyes, but then they put the balaclava on for the training purpose to make them all human-like. I think that's a nice world-building that was told subtly throughout actions. Right. Um, Unlike every other world building in this episode where we just get sat down and told things. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, from a, from a purely narrative perspective, there wasn't a lot of purpose to them doing that, except to get, get them away from Flynn Mm. and maybe to build some kind of relationship between Connor and this robot. I don't know. Beatrice. 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 Who we learned also is a robot. (laughs) I, I, I really like Beatrice. I love Uh, Beatrice. She's great. I I, I I completely agree with Connor. <laughs> yeah, I understand where Connor is coming from. I don't understand where Beatrice is coming on regarding Connor because Connor's act like kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that does it for you. You never know, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That, look, there's there's a reason confidence get you fine life, <laughs> and there's a fine line between confidence and dickishness. Um, <laughs> there's two no. There's only two notes <laughs> regarding this part. Uh, we put down, nice to see Burton and Connor having fun. And the second note is, Connor want to fuck that robot. <laughs> yeah, he says he's going to marry her, but we all know what yeah. he means. <laughs> I think he means he's going to marry her. He's a robosexual. Well, to be fair, he doesn't realize she's a robot, and also his plan to live in the future is essentially to live as a robot. He knows she's a robot. Like he even says, he even calls her a robot lady. He says, "I'm going to marry that robot lady." Oh, really? Yeah, I must have missed that. Um, I love that when he's falling, like when when she kicks him off the roof, he's just he's just laughing his ass off. I love it. It's so good. (laughs) Surely it's deliberate joke about falling for her, right? I didn't pick up on it until you said that. That's really funny. <laughs> Maybe it is deliberate. I don't know. It's clever if it is. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, they're good. Like, and also, like, from the perspective of the um, inspector and Beatrix, it, 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 they, they obtain vital information, right, about their capabilities right. and the way they think. And yeah, because they I, clearly have some kind of plan for them that they haven't shared yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go straight to Lobia and Flynn on the other side of this split. Right, that makes um, sense. There's, there's a lot of this side of it is like the part where I'm like, this yeah, is the exposition are, dump. Yeah, yeah. Which I like. I'm like, sometimes you can't really write around it, and I feel like this one is natural because it's 
two parties who are trying to get information out of each other. And oh that's yeah, how they this is way better from. done than like a couple episodes ago that was like exposition in the episode and it was every scene was terrible. This is yeah. much better than that. More organic. It, yeah, it's more natural. The the my complaint isn't that it's unnatural. My complaint is that we needed this information episode too. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> We're this not is exciting information that is being held back. This is like uh, this is we're not given to... any reason to think that there was a reason to keep this secret. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I understand. It's just like I prefer this to not getting any answers at all. So yeah, that's true. That's as true. somebody who was burned by the last season of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> You and everyone else. And I like how you only paint it on the last season. <laughs> Some of us had enough sense to see it coming and quit when um the the punk guy died. <laughs> not not Patty's boat, that episode. That was the last episode of Lost I watched. I was like, nope, every character I like are dead or either or have either become dicks. Um anyway, getting back on topic. Um yeah, yeah so <sighs> You missed my favorite episode then, but whatever. Moving on. <laughs> um, okay, so a couple of things we learned. The jackpot is being accelerated in uh, Flynn's timeline. Right. Um, I think we we may have even like theorized this before. Like it makes sense um that they're just they're they're trying to get more information about the things that happened in the jackpot so that they can theoretically find a solution but also they're just doing this whole empathy bonus thing they're yeah they're, they're you know using the mind control to 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 you know they're trying to perfect their technology but they're doing it at they, the expense of the stub um they also I, kid with an ad farm they're just poking it to see what happens i also. think so yeah and i think by doing <laughs> it they're just making everything worse and they just they don't care about that then yeah, it's not something it's that they stub. right yeah it's other yeah yeah Exactly. Another another layer people put between themselves and others to inflict harm upon them, you know? Right. Uh, and um, also, we already speculated this and have accepted this as fact. We learned that um, the stuff di probably diverged much earlier than we think. Right. I think it was really um, important to tell the audience this by now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that this was just for the people who hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because they never said they never really implied that uh, it started when they contacted Flynn. But uh, it is natural of a TV show to assume that you know all the important events started when you started watching the show. Uh, but there's been plenty be of clues. Like, I mean, not yeah. not even like the more subtle speculative clues that we were talking about, but even like really basic clues, like the the fact that the haptics are future tech. You know, like yeah obviously yeah. since they've had the haptics for so long it must have been from before yeah 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 um i think it will become important that when exactly it started diverging i still have a feeling flynn's father might somewhat be involved i still really I, like i can't get that out of my head i really like that theory i'm not uh, you know i forgot to talk about it last time we talked about it another thing that lands to my theory is they really draw attention to the fact that flynn is wearing his father's jacket True. Yeah. Like in the memory, she um um uh what's it, what's his face? Um God, I forgot everybody's name. Wilf. Um Wilf. Wilf asked a completely idiotic uh, idiotic <laughs> question of he's, very he's, stupid, we yes. he's wearing your jacket? And I'm like, no, do you not know how time works? <laughs> Clearly he's gotten causality confused. <laughs> Too much time. 
she's like, she has to stop screaming like she's a he's a child. It's like, no, it's his jacket. I I um I had it. Like one of the few things I have left of him. I feel like I feel like that is um lampshading. So when we finally see an a character in a flashback or whatever with that jacket, we instinctively know that's Flynn's father. Well, I even think that like they went back in time specifically to see if they could stop the jackpot. So they went with the most recent part of it, which was the the nuclear bomb. And I think that her father was somehow involved. Um, I think that's the, and that they, they went, they did the time, they did the looking into the past to make contact in order to prevent that from happening. And that's what started the whole stuff. Yeah. And also may the, we also learned some differences between the timeline and that in the prime timeline, well, in, in the future timeline, uh, Burton didn't make it out of the war. Right. So Connor I'm was okay, but yeah. he died. Burton died. Yeah. I'm also wondering if part of the manipulation is to keep Burton alive. Maybe. It's possible. Because Burton, Burton is definitely one of the test subjects. He's one of the people who have haptics installed in them. Yep. Um, And I can't remember if... Oh, we learned this later, so no, no way. I'll leave this one later. Um, so what else? What else do we learn in that? Um, that well, we drop? learned that the Met has access to better um, what they call the antis, which are data sorting algorithms. Like they have more information about the past than either the Kleps or the RI have. Um, I really like that name, by the way, like for a couple of AIs that deal in information as the aunties that that deals in gossip mill. I think that's a that's a good. It metaphor. is nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Josh Miller, take notes. <laughs> that's a good name. <laughs> we learned that in the original time or the let's just call it the original timeline. Flynn yep. married Tommy. Yep. Um, I- I don't give a shit about yeah, that. <laughs> I don't really care, but it's obvious they care. They want us to care yeah. about it, so they brought it up. Um, yeah. I they're do continuing think this love triangle. They're, they're doing continuing. the love triangle. They're setting it up still, um, yeah. and they've been setting it up the entire season. They really yeah. need to, you know, if they're going to shit or get off the pot. But um, yeah. <laughs> other than that, I don't think we learned anything else from this conversation. I think that's it. Well, oh, they deliberately leave it up in the air whether or not um, the inspector can like sever the oh, stub. Oh, right. Sever the connection to the stub, right. Yeah. But I don't think she can. Like, later conversation with Cherie seemed to suggest that I don't think she can. Yeah, Charisse I don't think she even to... knew about the stub until, like, a few hours earlier. So, like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, we we learn a lot of the natures of the stub. Um, and she <laughs> she's also a bit cagey with uh, Flynn and... Uh, I think Flynn was trying to scope out whether or not the inspector cares about the stuff. And I don't think she got enough information about that. No, I agree. I think, I think that the inspector was good at not revealing too much. Um, Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. I also thought it was weird that like, you know, Flynn needed to have Wilf there to feel secure and Wilf did jack shit. I don't think he even said a word. (laughs) (laughs) I think he says some dumb shit. Um, not not as dumb as he's wearing your jacket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was almost literally sidelined. Like he's just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I don't know. That, nothing between Wilf and Flynn is natural. Like say whatever you want to say about Tommy, but at least Tommy and uh, Flynn actually have chemistry. Right. 
<laughs> I even believe Tommy and Dee Dee's relationship. It's not a good relationship, but it feels yep. real. Yeah, it is a relationship where like people have started taking one one person has started taking another for granted. Right. Clearly, <laughs> uh, um, and that's also why he's holding a flame for Flynn, right? Like, right. you can't really do that in a good relationship. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. So. <laughs> Wilf man. Uh <laughs> the Wilf man. I, I, I oh the Wolf man. I just think that I think the actor is fine in everything else. I think I am actually gonna pin it to the on the actor a little bit. So I think the actor of Wilf just doesn't really have chemistry with uh actor of Flynn for some reason. No, it's uh, like I said before, both actors are great and they're good in their roles. It's just they don't yeah. have chemistry together. Like that's why it's really important when you're casting roles that you have the actors interact with each other. Like Yeah. 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 Um according to that friend episode, um that must mean that they're hooking up. <laughs> <laughs> it adds up because uh Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson. I was about to bring Spider-Man that up. Yeah, yeah, and have no chemistry. I'm home. <laughs> oh no no, I'm, I'm talking about the old one. Oh, the old one. In the uh, old one. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so they the, didn't. The, 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 theory, the theory was opposite. Like the theory is if they're dating in real life, they have no chemistry on screen. <laughs> Uh-huh. So yeah, you but can I, use either for like either extreme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like I actually think there is chemistry between Zendaya and Tom Holland. No, I think the there is too. And I think that's why like they actually are in a relationship outside of Spider-Man. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think this is all about that conversation, right? Yeah, I think uh, so. So let's go back to Lev. I feel like they gave Lev too many L's in recent episodes, so they have to bring him back to like something doing something threatening and villainous again. Yeah, but I don't think that that's the fault of this episode. I think that's the fault of the last two or three episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This no, is like Lev that. back to form. This is the Lev that we knew before. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think that the thing with the kid is a little bit over the top. Yeah, the the thing with the kid, asking his kid to fetch a knife, and then the kid wants to actually watch what he's going to do with it, that's that's cartoonish. Yeah, that's silly. <laughs> I think I think him fetching a knife is okay if it ends with just, like, him sending the kid away. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, try to sneeze more clearly into the microphone so I can use it. <laughs> You must stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, the thing I really have a problem with is the kid asking to stick around for the torture. Yeah, that's just, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Uh, okay, so, so we actually get a little bit more personality for Ossian and um, Ash. And it went in a direction that I didn't expect that they, they, they clearly were hired as a pair. I, I didn't get that impression until like maybe last episode. Um, I thought they were just like two separate employees that came together under the... Yeah, you know, I always just assumed button. that they were separately hired and they just got to know each other as a pair. But like, yeah. no, they they were a pair deal. Yeah. Yeah. And that they are, you know, much like indentured servants, they might not be as sympathetic to the ruling class as we thought. Well, of course. Yeah. Like... You can see in this in this in this whole exchange that Lev kind of is respecting Ash for her cunning, but then he gets yep. really upset when he finds out the motivation behind it is that she wants to work with the Neoprims. That's the only time he shows any yep. like genuine reaction. And yep. he's just like he seems so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. 
Because he's blindsided. Because <laughs> you know the powerful never realize that the people under them resent them. That's just yeah. natural. That's nature. <laughs> same same thing with same thing that happened with sheriff, right? Like he, right. he didn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like the theme of this episode is arrogance. In case you hadn't picked yeah. up on that yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he really have a lot of disdain for Ossian, though, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That kind of I kind of love that because it's how the we all feel about him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like I like the um, breaking the uh, encryption thing as well. Like, like I, I have a feeling like that encryption never worked against him. Like he just he was just letting he was letting like, them believe it did. Yeah, yeah. He would just yeah he just putting them under the false impression that it does. Uh, yeah. Anything else about this? I really I mean just that I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I wish it had been a couple episodes ago, like before we saw Lev getting nerfed. Um, yeah. I think it would have felt better. <laughs> also, final information we learn from this is like they've they they put more words to the fact that there is information downloaded directly into Flynn's eye. But um, so it finally got made clear that um, when. Alita hire Burton. She's the only person that doesn't know that it's not Burton. That right. it's actually Flynn who's playing Burton. Like <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So and I I always suspected this. Uh, the show didn't actually made it clear, but I hope people realize by now that the original hiring of uh, Flynn as Burton by Alita wasn't something that is being done with Lev's approval. That was a little rogue operation of her own. Right. Um, and now we is confirmed that she wanted Burton because she know he has haptics, haptics and it makes right. and it makes sense because she saw that footage of Connor blowing up because so she must have walked backward from uh, seeing Flynn, uh, seeing Burton in there. Right. And she wanted somebody with haptics so she can download the uh, information from that God font straight into the haptic uh, into the eyeballs of. Burton, so the haptics will save it as data. But because Flynn doesn't actually have haptics, something Alita doesn't know, uh, it's just in a form of a virus in her eyes. So we do run into a complication of how do they extract it? They think they can find a way. No, but they no, might have to. It's good, but it's more difficult. Yeah, uh, obviously. But I, I really like this because it's neat. Yeah. It all makes sense, like you said, and it's finally like a payoff to something that seemed like a. Yeah random plot point from the first episode that they switch places that yeah. yeah. finally now we know why that that was necessary for the plot <laughs> yeah yeah it also shows that from uh, until now alita seemed a little bit too larger than life and she seemed almost omniscient in her planning like uh, uh, this, are you saying she's a mary it. sue <laughs> <laughs> no 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 <laughs> For uh, not new listeners, had... that's uh, sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a pet peeve of ours when the internet call everything very soon. Like, not that she doesn't have history and motivation and uh, um, reasons for her abilities. She just seems like, especially since she's gone missing, she's been a larger than life character who seemed to know everything. But well, that's this the risk that, you no. run when you have a character who disappears for most of the shows. You get that Bobby Fischer syndrome where, like, they become a legend because they're just not there to to show you their foibles and flaws. Bobby Fischer? You don't know who Bobby Fischer is? Not in this context. Well, you know, like, 
well, it doesn't matter. The Bobby Fisher, <laughs> it, it's 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 like a it's like a trope, the Bobby Fisher trope that like if somebody goes missing for a long enough period of time, they become famous just for the fact that they were missing for so long. Bobby Fisher would like isolate himself from the rest of the world for like years at a time. And then when he'd come out of retirement, it would be like this big deal that he would like show himself and play a couple of games of chess and then disappear again, you know? Oh, so you're not talking about the guy from Supernatural. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the guy from Supernatural. I'm talking about the chess genius, you idiot. <laughs> oh, the shit-eating grin on your face. <laughs> oh, that was so worth it. Uh, Bastard. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, the fact that the shows that make me think there will be... There's a less chance... That there will be a like a destiny play later, you know, like a like oh, this is the destiny of the Fisher families. But let's see what they do with the the potential father thing that they have it hanging over us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's okay, got to so, pay off. It has to. Like it, the father has to be relevant. <laughs> the the way they draw attention to the jacket made me hundred percent think that they would. Yeah. Because like I didn't even think that she wore a unique jacket until they threw it out. Like, yeah, I, I didn't notice like, it either. Her. It's just like it's a jacket. She, Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she had a jacket yeah <laughs> like i think it's because it's supposed to be a man's jacket i'm just like yeah like, whatever like girls can wear a man's jacket <laughs> uh, um anyway so now we come all the way to lobe lobe and Charisse. i think this show is being structured like an anime in which <laughs> yeah if you treat these characters yeah, as yeah, anime yeah. characters this seems a lot better but <laughs> You continue. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Come with me on a journey here. <laughs> it is a very common trope of anime, especially shonen animes, in which as the show progresses, they keep introducing more and more powerful characters in a way that the previous character they like. Oh my god, this person is the most powerful in the universe. <laughs> get nerfed by the next person. Uh, they, they get put in the ground. Just to prove that the next person is way more powerful and threatening. That keep happening in this show. Lev was our cool, calculated, awesome, threatening villain. And then Lobert entered the scene and she's like calling the shots and <laughs> um, have Lev completely on the back foot. And then they realize Charisse, their main villain, has kind of been shitty for the episode, <laughs> including that fist fight in the lobby. <laughs> Uh, Flynn, and now this final scene is her coming in and completely, seemingly completely outmaneuvering Lobier. Well, at the end and of it, Lobier is definitely upset. I mean, we're supposed to get the feeling that Sharice is the one with all the, the cards here. Yeah, mainly centered around catching uh, Lobier off guard that she realized that his um, humanoid quite, which we learned now, until until now we didn't know she was a quite, um, is uh, shaped after her daughter. Right, yeah. And we've seen that before. It's a common thing because, well, Charisse herself made a, a quiet out of the guy who died. I forgot his name. Daniel. Uh, yeah, Daniel. And uh, uh, Alita's mother also have a quiet that is made to look like Alita herself. Alita, right, yeah. Yeah, so, and they, they straight up spell it out in this scene that that is quite a common thing for people to uh, make uh, quotes of dead people and 
and they even comment that not a lot made them of their parents because it seemed natural for parents to die, but there's a lot of people making them of their children. Right. And that it's also illegal to make a humanoid coin, but Lobia says she has an exception. <laughs> well, because she's a cop, she can do what she wants. <laughs> yeah. Another interesting layer, uh, the coin itself doesn't seem to know that. Right, and in fact that she uh Lobeard tells her to forget it when she figured when she learns yeah. that like wipe the yeah. last five minutes to of your clar- memory to clarify the quite doesn't think it's a human the quite knows it's a coin the quite doesn't know that it's modeled after Lobia's daughter right because the quite definitely know it's a quite because she Alia says like oh this come from deep within my programming <laughs> yeah and Lobier um, seems to think like her excuse is that it would complicate their relationship yeah yeah so uh, the are quite true AI? Well, if they have like a subconscious and subconscious urges, then yeah. But, but is know. it just Beatrice? I think is it's it just might... Beatrice, or is that all quite? I think it's just Beatrice, but I also don't think that she's true AI. Yeah. I think that she's just got really deep programming. That's all. Well, they very implying that she's falling in love. Or, that, okay. Well, they're in lust, <laughs> the, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the way the show is structured, they're gonna go towards love, obviously. Absolutely, but yeah. at this at this point, it's just she she's thirsty. She's thirsty for some of the <laughs> some of that corner. <laughs> at least the attraction is mutual, I guess. That's true. I guess Poor Connor person, just really likes um, being beat that... up. <laughs> <laughs> Who does it? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Burton at this point, movie straight past that. Poor Burton uh, at this point, he's the only person without a love interest. Well, no, he has his team. He loves his team. A leader, a leader is available, I guess. (laughs) Burton's in love with Connor. Haven't you been paying attention? (laughs) Well, that's a that's a love triangle that's more interesting than Flynn, uh, Tommy, and Wilf. Uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, Wilf and Burton can just swap siblings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, more of Cherise. She admit. So this is this is the part that's also. I feel like uh, Cherise kind of like stating her. Um, manifesto should have come earlier like earlier in the series season, that um, it is about the mind control tech which is a little bit um, underwhelming because it doesn't seem that interesting right the mind control right. tech itself um, but I mean like be- if you've been paying attention to the themes of the show it makes sense it's just it is a little underwhelming I agree but from a from yeah. a story standpoint it's perfect because it's all about the empathy bonus right um, yeah 100% uh, uh, well it's, it's it's about the empathy bonus in the way that what's better doing good because you recognize it is good in a sea of not people not doing good, not people doing the right thing. Um, good people doing good because they're good people or nobody realizing good from evil and being forced to do good. Like what is the better outcome? Right. I think that's way. I mean, that's a, that's a common problem throughout human history, but like if you look at human history, enforced charity never works. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but in because it's a sci-fi show that enforced charity might be coming in the form of a technology that is hive mind. So if you have that solution, is it your moral imper- imperative to use it? And that is an interesting 
dilemma, something they should have introduced much earlier, which would make all the other, like, which would make the themes more interesting as they show it. Putting it at the very end, it kind of does it a little bit of a disservice. That's my argument. No, I, I don't disagree. Like, if I had my druthers, I would just like completely delete the last four episodes and put this one next. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And like, it, it does make me sympathize with Charisse a little bit. I don't look. I think she is a little bit mad with power. I don't think everything she's saying is. I don't. No, think and I don't think. She- I don't I think that might be her like rationalization, but I don't yes. think that's why she wants the technology. She just wants to control people. <laughs> I well, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think she's also li- like I don't think I don't even think she's lying. I think she's lying to herself. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, what I mean. <laughs> when I say it's yeah. a rationalization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like and of course this come back into the motif of the queen bee and the, of course. the bee workers, right? So th- there's a reason she was called Queen Bee the first time we saw her, because that's exactly what she's wanting to be. She wants to turn to us all into drones. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and Alina, I imagine, deliberately called her that because of that. And I imagine that's also why she keep using the bee um, symbol <laughs> symbolism, because like she thought she was here she thought she was hiring Burton remember like I I bet it's some sort of ironic joke in her mind that he dressed she dressed him up with the the bee right balakalava right right because she's still one of the drones (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty good it's pretty clever and like even in this episode I think I think it was actually Lowbeer who said something about busy little bees swarming busy little bees I don't remember what she was talking about but the, the metaphor keeps coming up still to this episode yeah um but this scene the acting is over the top i fucking hate the acting in this scene <laughs> like oh uh, it may i was rolling my eyes the entire time like i just i couldn't get past it they were it's yeah. just so hammy so overdone so this is how a villain should speak it's just so uh, i hated it i couldn't stand it these are the two <laughs> most cartoonish yeah acting characters in the show and they're just yep. playing off of each other and like like accent- accentuating each other's cartoonishness it's, yeah. it's awful i really couldn't i couldn't deal with it <laughs> yeah when when these two characters interact with other people the other characters kind of ground them and when they interact with each other it seems to be really highlighting the fact that they are very over the top compared to the rest of the show Right. They're like, like you were saying before, they're, they're like anime characters. And if you think yeah. of them as anime characters, the scene's almost tolerable. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is definitely like a scene from like Death Note. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of two people being like, aha, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's pretty much all of this episode. Does this make you excited for the next episode? I am excited for the next episode. And I I do think that like the show started strong and I'm hoping it'll end strong. This seems like a good setup for the finale. I agree. I agree. So let's talk about the next on. We already talked about the back fact that one of the person who um, from the Corbell resident lives is probably going to be Corbell. But um, I still hope it's Mrs. Corbell. That would be a nice little misdirect, but you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Because they did, like, look, they had, like they left enough plausible deniability to have us still be alive, but they did leave those bloody footprints for a reason. Yeah, true. There is, like, there's one thing in this next on that confuses me, and it, it might just be the editing deliberately confusing me, but, like, Aelita says 
all she needs is to get the data from inside her head. Like it seems like she's talking about Flynn and that obviously yeah. that's what she needs to do. And then like, the very next shot is her picking up a skull. So it's like yeah. she's grabbing Flynn's skull in the future, but the, that the causality that, doesn't work out. No, no. <laughs> if that's going where it's going, like I will be very well, that very breaks mad. all the rules that have been set up, and that's what yeah. I hate the most yeah. about time travel. And I said that at yep. the very beginning. As long as you're consistent, it's fine. Yep. The second you break your own rules, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you you need to be consistent. Like they did it in Endgame, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have been very public about my opinions of Endgame, <laughs> as controversial as they may be. I <laughs> know uh, I don't I don't think Endgame's time travel rules being stupid is controversial at all. <laughs> I also the thing I hate about Endgame, and sorry for the digression, but like that it tries to pretend that it's so much smarter than any other time travel movie. It makes fun of you for thinking about Back to the Future. <laughs> We're so much better than that. That's not how time travel works. Time travel works the way we say it makes sense. And it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. <laughs> there is some like headcanon stuff you can insert into the Captain America thing at the end, and then yeah, it would make sense. But the trouble is that the director and the writers uh, keep <laughs> saying agree. different things in interview. <laughs> <laughs> they had completely different opinions on how time travel works. <laughs> and the irony is the writers are wrong, the director is right. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> Um, okay, so yeah, that Alita digging up that skull. Yeah, it better not be like, oh, I'm just gonna. Also, it's in her eyeball. It's her eyeball's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in her occipital lobe, which is behind her. It's still in her brain, and bacteria doesn't last that long. <laughs> but yeah, um, but it better not be that. Oh, I'm just gonna check her corpse uh, in the future for the information. No, that information is in the stuff. It's not in your. <laughs> And even if the causality worked that way, the odds that there would be any bacteria left inside her skull, just that's stupid. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Especially after a nuclear uh, bomb went off. <laughs> uh, well, we don't know if she was caught in that. Uh, but um, also, Ash making a deal with Cherise, which just, I thought it was pretty stupid of left to let let Ossian and Ash live and if she does end up making a deal with Cherise that, that would just confirm my um, <laughs> opinion not from a character standpoint it makes sense she wants to make a deal with the devil I get it yeah yeah but that just makes seem left too arrogant and stupid yeah, it does uh, continue the nerfica nerfification of Lev yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so Flynn fighting in that mausoleum. Do you think that's like the same location as Alita digging up that skull? I think it has to be. Like you see a skull and a mausoleum in the same episode. They've got to be related. Unless it's Buffy. There's a lot of skulls, a lot of Well, okay, yeah. If if your show has vampires in it, then that's a totally different story. <laughs> um you see somebody you see somebody in like in I think it's in uh Burton's truck um uh, on some train tracks, and it looks like they're in a peripheral. And the cousin, whose name I just can't remember, is like banging on the door trying to get him to move, to wake up, to move the truck, because a train is coming. I'm about to smash into the truck. Um, huh. that's, that looks exciting. That does look exciting. Aren't they wearing a headset? I think so. Like, it goes by so fast, and I, I, I didn't go frame by frame or anything, but that's what I saw. That's interesting. Um, Cherie's getting tricked in a suit? 
Yeah, there's just like a scene of her in like a bunch of hallways, like the key master scene from the Matrix or something. And she's like very upset about something like it looks like she just got fooled and she's in a sim when she thought she was in reality or something like that. Um, I don't know. The key, the key maker from the key maker, the key, yeah. the key master is from Ghostbusters. That's Ghostbusters. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Two very different characters. <laughs> um, and an old timey watch. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to have time travel, might as well put an old-timey watch in your show, right? It makes sense. They already had a grandfather clock. That's true, yeah. <laughs> now all you all need right, is well... that old-style time machine. <laughs> With the spinny <laughs> thing and the, you know, yeah. All the knobs and switches. <laughs> all right, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, we're excited to talk about the finale, which we will bring to you in a timely fashion, I promise. I'm um, going to watch <laughs> it immediately after we stop recording. <laughs> same, same. Um, which brings us to the promise I made at the earlier in the episode. Uh, if you are, as any reasonable person would, worried about the in- inevitable heat death of the universe, here is a solution. Don't worry about it. You'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's your advice? God damn you. <laughs> you'll, you'll be long dead and so would humanity. <laughs> We're not going to last that long. <laughs> so with that cheery thought, that is the end of the episode. <laughs> right. Just don't worry. That always works. <laughs> your, your name would have been uttered by somebody for the last time millennia ago <laughs> before that come to fruition so don't don't stress it's all good it's all because good. because remember life is just a stream <laughs> go watch some tv good night nice. <laughs> we're here in a strange place tonight man <laughs> Mad Max, Mad Max 2, Twilight Zone the movie, Mad Max Beyond Thundertome, The Witch of Eastwick, Lorenzo Oil, Babe, 40,000 <laughs> Years of Dreaming, Babe, Pig in the City, Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Just like, what? What? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Oh, you have a banana. Banana. I have a beer. Because it's 15 minutes past midday now. <laughs> Technically, I can start drinking without gift. Sure. Yeah. Um. That that t- <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> You're gonna edit this in, Angie. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> uh.